You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! He's looking at you, kid. What we got here is a failure to communicate. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I guess we start at the top with Best Picture. There are eight nominees this year, and uh, Holden, this is something we started talking about four or five years ago when we started doing this, the expansion of the Best Picture category. And specifically, they're allowed to have up to ten now if they meet a certain threshold. And they did that the first two or three years, I think. Like, they kind of went wild with the new limitations and maxed out a couple times, but the last few years, we've seen it scale back a little bit. And we only have eight this year, which is a little refreshing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, my opinion every year is, I mean, I don't care. Really, it always comes down to two or three that have a little legitimate shot, and then all the others are just kind of window dressing. And it's nice to say they got an Oscar nomination for Best Picture. So, I mean, in my mind, I don't really care if it's six or eight or 12 or 20. It's always going to come down to two or three. It just That's just the way it is. Yeah, and the conventional wisdom is that the nominees for Best Director tell you what the quote-unquote real Best Picture nominees would have been in a normal field of five. Right. Uh, there have been a couple instances of Best Pictures being named without the director being nominated, but they're extremely rare. And now that there are, you know, up to 10 nominees uh, for Best Picture, probably even become even more rare. And they were incredibly rare before. So it's going to become practically, you know, I you can, if you're in a pool or whatever and you want to, you know, vote for a Best Picture that doesn't have a Best Director nominated, you can. It's just, it's so significant statistically insignificant it's it's really just throwing your vote away or your 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 pick away yeah and if you're betting you know you're basically just making a donation to somebody who knows better uh at that point right. so right. let's go through the five that are nominated for best director that's uh george miller um uh for mad max fury road lenny abramson for room i always want to call it the room and i have to stop myself uh, <laughs> no, it's like no well, football playing no football playing in this one right and not only <laughs> no awkward football toss here i always uh do um a little double take when i see that it's also like someone one of those insufferable fans of a band who has to tell you no 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 it's the rolling stones or something right. like that right. uh tom oh Mac- hi mark oh hi i was just about to say oh hi mark uh, the third one is Tom McCarthy uh, for Spotlight, Adam McKay of all people. Uh, I think he was the director of Anchorman, wasn't he? Uh, Adam McKay for The Big Short and Alejandro Inuritu. I think I'm saying that right. Every year I struggle with at least one of the names. Alejandro Inuritu. Alejandro. Alejandro. Alejandro Gonzalez Inuritu. Inuritu. See, you can roll the R's. I should just have you say all these for me. Yeah. Inuritu uh, in, uh, for The Revenant. Uh, those are the five that are the quote-unquote real Best Picture nominees. The other three being The Martian, uh, Brooklyn, and Bridge of Spies. I, I really thought... Uh... That uh, the Martian, uh, Ridley Scott, that to me that was a shock that he didn't get a. I realize others said it isn't, but uh, him being just turning seventy-eight and a chance to give the Academy to do the the Martin Scorsese Award. Yeah, <laughs> and um, 
I just thought it was weird. I mean, he's up tonight for the DDA, and the yeah, way the, the the way the directors are all kind of it's all kind of all over the place. Who's the favorite? There's a, certainly some that aren't the favorite, but yeah. If you ask me, I would slot him in instead of Abramson probably for Room. I liked Room okay, but it didn't strike me as an unbelievably well directed film. Yeah, well, I don't even. I'm not even talking about the direction, although I did like the direction. I'm just talking about it's hard to, that they skipped him because everything was there to say he's in. Yeah, and they did two other uh, sort of memorials-type awards, which we'll talk about later in both score and supporting actor. Um, yeah, Did either of you happen to read the book The Martian was based on? No. Okay. I, I did not read it, but I've heard, you know, I'm like anything, you know, most people like the novels, say the novels, you know, better and obviously in this with this kind of technical Usually. information has more technical detail but i think it's also generally regarded as a good adaptation it is yeah no i happen to read it just i, I had the, the the fortune of reading it just a week before seeing the movie which is a great way mm-hmm. or, or a terrible way depending on how you look at it to go into these sorts of things i think the the most i ever cut it was i read the first of the his dark materials books i finished the last paragraph in the parking lot before I went into the movie to see it. Oh, yeah. So there was a five-minute gap between reading the book and watching the movie. It can kind of ruin it. But anyway, for The Martian, yeah, no, it's a pretty good adaptation. Retains the humor. Um, What it really loses is the sense of peril. Uh, In the book, he's just constantly being beset by problems. And in the movie, it only happens a couple times. What's funny is that the movie uh, nominated for Best Picture that felt like that more than The Martian was The Revenant, where things are getting thrown at him constantly. I remember watching it and thinking, this is what The Martian is supposed to feel like, but on Mars instead of Montana. (laughs) So it sounds like when you look at the you know, the various odds makers and some of the pr- more predictive uh, guild awards, it this looks like a pr- fairly wide open race, but s- with spotlight as the favorite, a narrow favorite. Yeah, it's uh, the producers guild did choose the big short, which really made it. I think from a two picture race to a three picture race, I think it made it much harder to call. Um, producers guild is uh, usually pretty accurate. They've only been giving that award uh, their their best picture award uh, since 1989 with Driving Miss Daisy and since then they've only missed um, five but four of them have been in the 21st century and they had three in a row 2004, 2005, 2006 and they picked Moulin Rouge over Brokeback uh, or Be- uh, Beautiful Mind and Aviator over Million Dollar Baby Brokeback Mountain over Crash and uh, Little Miss Sunshine over The Departed so they you know they they do miss and it's not a it, like the director's guild as we'll get into i mean it, it's been around forever and they almost never miss and pga has not been around that much but it's fairly accurate but uh it seems like in the 21st century been less so they've had a bunch in a row so it seems like if they're due right this uh, would be now the thing about them all being in a row they went to that funky uh preferential voting that the oscars do too uh so ever since they both went to that voting stuff they've lined up right i think we've tried to describe this in years past when they went to it but it's basically you you're kind of waiting your ballot and say if you vote for um this year if you voted for say your top three where you voted for the martian as your number one and the big short as your number two and spotlight as your number three uh, it would go if one of those if a best picture nominee didn't get the 50 percent uh, plus in the first wave of ballots they would throw out the one with the least amount of votes so if it for the sake of argument say that was the martian that got the least out of the eight 
then that ballot that had the Martian as number one now goes to its second choice, which would be the Big Short and et cetera, et cetera, until they get one that gets over fifty percent. So it's uh, <laughs> it's not it's not necessarily your first pick, but maybe your second or third pick that is the one that that gets through. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's more supposed to it's supposed to award a consensus, right? Uh, a larger consensus. Uh, rather than have somebody say, well, the best picture is the one that, uh, you know, 25% of us thought was the best film of the year and 75% of us thought was the worst film of the year. Right. right. So so hated films, uh, love it or hated films can't win as much this way. You mentioned A Beautiful Mind earlier and the system they were operating under kind of sounds like a game theory nightmare. Um, but you're, but you're, uh, I think in electoral politics, that's called instant runoff um, and it has some very staunch defenders. So it's, it, but you're, it's an excellent point though that the change in voting has produced very different results. So I'm going to put you both on the spot though um, and ask you to guess as to who you think it's going to be. I, for one, am just glad that the last category of the night, which is probably going to swing a bunch of our Oscar picks on Oscar night, is uh, actually one of the least predictable. You mean I got to give away uh, all my trade secrets? Uh, <laughs> well, you don't win the, yeah. the MoFo award or well, something. Well, I mean... you could, you could, li- <laughs> you could lie and then change it at the last minute. I, uh, I, I'm... The winner will be uh, Room or the Room, whichever you. Want. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I don't know. I, I'm going to go off, and I don't know why I'm going to go off, but I'll take the consensus, maybe. That's a dirty word now. Yeah. Uh, and say spotlight, but I don't know. You, We're saying that there's three choices. I don't know. I'm. You think Mad I, Max is in there, too? I still, I, when when George Miller wins Best Director, I, <laughs> I don't know why it wouldn't be. So, uh, But, yeah, I guess I would choose spotlight because... Uh, I don't have a good reason. Yeah, it's it might be the most <laughs> likely of, just because of what's been going on. I mean, I guess it's you could so say weird. Yeah. Well, what's weird specifically? Well, I mean, all the different award things kind of contradicting each other. Mm, I see. Yeah. More than more so than normal. <laughs> They're less coherent than even normal. Uh, what do you? What do they you, are. What do you think, Holden? Well, I mean, I, I think again, I would say I like all eight of these movies. I don't think they picked a bad movie. I like. All of these, um, which you know, even back in the days when they pick five, every once in a while you get through one and you go, Oh my god, how did that make it? But uh, I liked all five of these, um, in varying degrees, but I thought they were all eight, I mean, all eight great movies. Um, yeah, I just don't see, I know people love Mad Max, I love Mad Max, I don't see it winning Best Picture at the Oscars. I mean, there's been only a handful of sci-fi movies that have ever been nominated for Best Picture, like Clockwork Orange, if you consider that sci-fi, Star Wars, if you don't want to get into the debate about fantasy versus sci-fi. <laughs> we don't, um, we don't. E.T., Aviator, uh, District 9, and Inception recently, and I guess Gravity, if if you uh, want to count that as some form of sci-fi. But, uh, you know, to say that it's not going to be 2001, it's not going to be Star Wars, it's not going to be E.T., it's going to be, you know, Mad Max 4. <laughs> as much as it's loved, I just don't see, I, I just don't see it getting enough votes to get all the way through. And, you know, and, and no action, you know, pure kind of action movie has really ever been nominated for Best Picture that I could remember. Not so. even a somber sci-fi film like you say, like 2001. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, it's not a big so, ideas movie, whatever you think. Right. Of it. To have one that's, you know, post-apocalyptic uh, chase movie as brilliantly done as it is, I just don't see, I just don't see it 
making. You don't think a, a film can win Best Picture when it has a flaming guitar on top of a moving vehicle? No, I mean it's well, great. I think I think all maybe the that's fanboys... why it's going to win. <laughs> maybe I mean it's, it's it's there's no doubt it's it's a good movie. Yeah, and maybe even a great movie. I just don't historically. I just don't I'm... see how the Academy picks this one. I just don't see it. It would be it would be the beginning of it's a new so era different. of Academy Award voting. It, well, we're so... we're gonna get in a new era, in, no matter which way you look at it. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. yeah. With I mean, what's with what's going on, so. Right. I mean, Room was really. I, I know some people don't like Room. I Room was, you know, if not my favorite, it's in top two or three. I just really, really like Room. It's got no chance of winning, but I really, really like that movie. I mean, between Spotlight, Revenant, and Big Short, it. <sighs> It's tough, right? I don't think yeah. I, I I don't think the Revenant really has a chance. Uh, I like I mean I love the Revenant. I just don't think and and there's some I mean the main reason is there have been only three best pictures that have won without the screenplay even nominated. Not I'm not talking women. I not nominated. It was uh um or at least I'm not. Eh, I didn't go all the way back to the first few. That's okay. Words, but but certainly in the modern sense, it was uh, Olivier's Hamlet, which he famously did not take screenwriting credit on he credited it as shakespeare and did not put it up for the award uh, sound of music and titanic which you know, i think everyone agrees titanic for all its spectacle has really horrible dialogue yeah uh but those are the only three and the revenant is not nominated for screenplay so is the revenant so big a spectacle like titanic and like sound of music that it's going to be the one that gets through even though kind of no one it's it's you know there's not much dialogue to it i think that's main reason it didn't get a screenplay nomination there's just not much dialogue there it's so visual but i don't think it's that strong in the academy voting sense that it's going to push through even without the screenplay being nominated so just in that kind of historical marker sense i just don't see it winning and it's dark and it's you know very bleak it's kind of a bummer yeah it's a bummer um so I just don't see. So then it gets down to Spotlight and they're all bummers. Yeah, well, I mean, Spotlight is probably the most uplifting in a way, in that it's you know a positive journalism story, which you know most movies that are about journalism about how bad it is, how right, it is. Right. like all the kind of greatest movies about journalism, Sweet Smell of Success and Network and Ace in the Hole, Face in the Crowd, even Citizen Kane, you know, these are not positive spins. On what the, can, can I just point the, out as you list those titles, how many of these movies about journalism and writing uh, contain cliches for titles? Yeah. Well, and then there's, you know, the, the examples of kind of good journalism movies, like All the President's Men, which is probably the biggest corollary for uh, Spotlight, and then, you know, Good Night and Good Luck, and maybe The Killing Fields, and a few others. But I mean, and in, in the 21st century, has been such about, you know, new media and the, the conflicts there. And uh, I just think this, it's kind of an old fashioned movie. It's not flashy. I mean, The Big Short is incredibly inventive. Um, I mean, just Margot Robbie in a you know, bubble bath to explain some of the drives. I mean, all the kind of stuff is really, really cool and clever, whether that's the kind of thing that the overall Academy of Leadership is going to go for over a somewhat, you know, straightforward movie, but very well-made, well-told movie on an important subject and good journalism, all that. I think, I, I, I think it's going to be spotlight. Yeah. Well, let's talk about those three movies in particular, because they deserve a disproportionate amount of our, of our dialogue here. Um, because like you say, it's almost certainly going to be one of those three. And what's interesting is that they, they reckon they, uh, they represent, and you sort of touched on this already, just three very different styles of movie making. 
Um, the Revenant, I guess the best argument for any of Inuritu's films is that they could only be films. You know, Spotlight could be a play. It really could. Um, the Revenant could not really be much else. His films exploit the medium of film uh, about as much as anyone, any other filmmakers, I would say. Um, like the, the bear scene alone, right? People are going to be talking about that 30 years from now. But as you also indicated, they're not going to be talking about a whole lot else. There's not much dialogue. It really is just about the craft, it seems like. Craft and, and, and Leo's performance, which will win. And then, you know, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are movies in a, the capital M right. uh, more than anything else. Spotlight is a good story, and it's really well told. And I really appreciated its uh, restraint. It was refreshingly counterintuitive in a lot of places because you start a movie like this, and you think, okay, a new editor's coming in, right? It's going to be about how he's slashing the budget, and right. that's not good because we need to invest in good, hard reporting. And So you think he's going to be the bad guy, right? That's the cheap thing to do. And then he's right. not. It turns out, it flips that on its head. It says, no, he's an outsider. That's why he's valuable. And I just don't know if it does any one thing partic- exceptionally well. I think it's pretty good at everything. It's it's not an inventive movie in the least bit. I mean, I, I guess some of those narrative things, and that it doesn't, you know, go the salacious route. I mean, they don't show any children being molested. And just in case anyone doesn't know what Spotlight's about at this yeah. point, it is about the the Boston uh, uh, newspaper team that kind of uncovered mm-hmm. not just that there was abuse going on in the Catholic Church, which everyone's kind of known for. The cat's been out of that bag for a while, but how it was how exactly yeah. it was widespread and how the church hierarchy was covering it up and moving them from parish to parish. Right. They discovered all that. And certainly, you know, you could have gone away where you show kids being, being molested and all that kind of stuff. And there's Cheap none emotion, of that. Right. Yeah. Right. There's none of that. So, I mean, they, they do have restraint, like you were saying, in that kind of sense. They didn't kind of hit some of those beats that you could have hit very easily, which would have made it less interesting, but more kind of instantly emotional i do have to i'd have to give it a little bit of grief though for having two really cliche moments there were two different ominous phone clicks at the ends of conversations well you even get the call where the guy says you need to stop click um i remember kind of rolling my eyes at a couple of those uh but other than that yeah just a really solid movie all around but it does it's not showy um which is why i don't think it can win best director the big short on the other hand as you mentioned incredibly showy showy. it's one of the most directed movies i think i've ever seen and very inventive yes styled like a reenactment more than a film it doesn't really break down the fourth wall so much just blows it up um like you say with the margot roby scene and having selena gomez explain the housing crisis and all that and the and the scene that i think is really was really key is uh when they uh the the two uh younger wannabe hedge fund guys who you know discover the prospectus on the on the uh in the waiting room and then they immediately say actually we didn't discover this in the waiting room. right this is a this is a narrative device basically yes we actually discovered it just you know a friend of a friend told me but that's boring so i mean it does stuff like that that's very inventive i just don't know that it's going to be enough to get kind of the more conservative mainstream academy voter who's left um to go for it when there's something like spotlight which is just so well made and straightforward so i guess that's what's interesting to me is that i i don't want to overstate this and say that you know which film wins is going to determine the direction of filmmaking but it's hard not to imagine that films are going to be more like one of these than the others you know 10 years from now well, i mean i mean birdman won last year and birdman i mean is a very weird funky dark movie um, but it hit more notes than The Revenant. It was incredibly directed, and it, it like, like The Revenant, had to be a film. But it was also well-written, and the, 
And, and and I don't know about you, but I felt very invested in Michael Keaton's character in that film. I actually, he felt very full flesh. But in The Revenant, I didn't really feel that invested in anybody. It's soulless, I think. It's, it's a harsh word, but, you know, I mean that in a less pejorative sense. But you were talking about uh, Birdman. Were you trying to tie that into the big short at all? No, no. I'm saying more like with The Revenant. Oh, Holden. Holden. No, I mean, it's, I mean, well, yeah. Chris was, Yoda was saying, you know, the which one of these might determine i mean i think it's if you're gonna take markers like that i mean just last year the the birdman which really is i mean for a, a cinema fan it's not anything inventive or weird or crazy for someone like my mom who goes to two movies a year to sit down and watch birdman is weird right it's a weird movie <laughs> they pick yes, yeah. a complicated weird dark funky darkly weird movie and dark don't uh, forget dark they, yeah which <laughs> yeah. they you know they generally don't which i mean maybe you know there's enough voters maybe mad max can win with something like birdman i just i think because, that's gonna be an anomaly but we'll see because to me uh big short yeah like you say uh, i think it's been mentioned but i just want to bring it up again um because all of its creativity you you wonder if, if, if the voters are going to think that First of all, they don't get it. Like, what is that doing in the middle of this movie? Right. Why am I seeing those two things side by side? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a so-called serious story about all of our uh, you know, life savings going down the drain. And then we see all this fun, uh, creative, cutesy stuff. Uh, they don't go together. You know, that's, I think people will think that. But, hey, the Producers Guild didn't. So what is it? The producers, the producers are all younger? Oh, who knows? I mean, or we'll because of that's that weird voting. Right, I don't right. know. Uh, the thing I have to say about these movies for a second, uh, Room is by about a hundred million miles the most original, because mm -hmm. Bad Max is the fourth of a series. The Revenant is a remake. Not that anybody could tell by watching it, right. but it's a remake of Man in the Wilderness, which I've seen a lot, and it's hard to even when you watch it tell it's a remake. Um, yes. The Big Short, I've seen that story in about three or four documentaries as right. the spotlight I've seen in probably more documentaries. Mm -hmm. So um, that's all I wanted to say. I mean, it's not like any, I don't think any of these are that original, uh, except for the, not that we've been saying they are. The Room, uh, room whoops. whoops. <laughs> Uh-oh, uh-oh. Room is, yeah. no, The Room is too, God. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, that they're both very original, but for very different reasons. Well, it sounds like mm. you both are pretty high on room. Then maybe I'm, um, I'm, I'm no. the odd man out here a little bit. No, I'm not yeah. high on room. Yeah, Mark didn't like it. I know, I know from the board, Mark did not like room. I I liked room, room, but he thinks but it's I, original. Okay, I liked room, but I, you know, I wouldn't vote for it. So I guess okay. So those are our predictions for the top three. I you'll notice I artfully didn't make mine. Um, are there any here that you think maybe don't really belong? You know, obviously Mark thinks Room probably doesn't. Brooklyn, Bridge of Spies. I mean, Bridge of Spies in particular, we're getting to the point with Steven Spielberg where these are just really well-made films, but that aren't otherwise particularly exciting in any one way. He just makes very solid movies all the time. I like Bridge of Spies. I, mean, I like that kind of movie, whether it's, you know, one of the eight best movies of the year. I, I don't know. But I mean, it's I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch. Um, Brooklyn is probably the most, on paper, the most, um, even more than... Uh, the others we're talking about the most uh, kind of milk toast. I, I, I would. Yeah. I mean, it's the most kind of, there's so many other movies of that kind of story of coming age and coming to America, but 
I got to say, I went into Brooklyn thinking I wasn't going to like it at all. And I was, I mean, it was, I was very engaged by it much more than I would have thought going in. Uh, so I, I mean, whether, again, whether it's one of the eight best of the movie, uh, the whole year, who knows, but I mean, it's not a bad movie, right? I don't think it's a boring movie. I don't think it's a horrible movie by any stretch. And the Martian was just a shit ton of fun. Can I say shit? Uh, if I have to bleep it, I will. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not too hard. You say whatever you want. It'll be my problem on the other end. Um, I like what you guys are saying, though. You guys are actually... I had This hadn't occurred to me until we started talking, but now that you say it, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of these nominees are unusual. When you look at past years, if you go back 10 or 15 years, right all the nominees would be like Brooklyn and Bridge of Spies. Like, those feel like traditional Oscar movies. They're safer, they're simpler, everyone gets them. Appeal to all ages, the kind of thing your mom would see, like you said earlier. But now look at all these. Room is weird and creepy. Mad Max is bizarre. The Martian is even kind of out there. Uh, the Revenant is a huge bummer and really highly stylized and directed. Uh, the Big Short, like you say, it's barely even a movie. You know, it's almost like half documentary. And Spotlight's kind of like a documentary. Six of these eight films, I don't know if they could have even been Best Picture nominees ten years ago. Like, we're at the point now where the what used to be considered traditional Oscar bait is increasingly a minority. Spotlight is close enough to something like... Yeah, I, I think Spotlight... Yeah. If, if Spotlight it's closer. It, 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 it would. ...in 1995 or 1975, I think it would still be there. But yeah, that's, that's fair to say. Uh, even so, we'd be left with, I don't know, three out of eight or something, where the weird films are sort of taking over. And I, I like that for one. Yeah. Okay. Can't hurt. Okay, so it sounds like you you both expect we might have a split here uh, between picture and director. Then um, George Miller is he just going to win this? I mean, it's crazy because you hear about you know they're going to make another Mad Max movie, and I don't know about you guys, but I thought, good God, why? Like this this can't end well. Um, I had a slightly better reaction when I heard than when I heard they were making Transformers into a movie. Um, but it's amazing. It's one of the better made movies I've seen of the last 10 years. So it, it looks like it's probably going to be either Inuritu or Miller. Uh, what do you guys think, if you, if you had to pick? Again, I'm putting you on the spot. I know, Mark, you kind of referenced, I mean, you might have been half joking. You said when George Miller wins Best Director. Did you mean yeah, that? Well, yeah, I think so. I don't know why, but I think so. It's the same thing. I don't know why Spotlight's going to win, but it will win. <laughs> Just too overwhelming, the amount of the amount of skill that went into it. You were saying that the the big short was the most directed movie. I don't know. I mean, every every everything in Mad Max Fury Road is way over the top and way directed that way. So, um, I mean, I realize it's not all over the top. There are some quieter moments that kind of are almost jarring. I don't know. I thought it was. It's just. It's just well paced. I don't get hung up on the way a movie has to be a certain way. Right. It just. I mean, I just want the movie to take me where it's going to go and hope that it does it in a, in a good way. And that's right. all yeah, I, I want. I I, that's, I mean, I've there's... never gotten into these. Well, it has to have this and it has right. to have that. It has to be about a historical figure. If it has this, uh, there's no way I'm going to watch it. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. If anything, it's a good argument for movies like Mad Max Fury Road. You could say if you want to judge on a curve a little bit, making you invested in this ridiculous world of cars and guitars is sort of a lot harder than making you care about a serious abuse scandal, for example, where you naturally would have a human empathy. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I'm not sure uh, if you're supposed to... I mean, I look, Mad uh, uh, Miller definitely relates to Mad Max. And in all, uh, whatever uh, form he, he takes, uh, uh, he had his hand in all the, all the movies, all four of them, they're all different. What's weird, What what is the weirdest thing, since we like to use that word today, uh, is that 
now he's 70 years old and he's making the weirdest one I've ever he ever made. Yeah, it's, he cares yeah. less over time what it looks like. And, uh, you know, there are people, I've seen even professional critics, much less, you know, just kind of ordinary people who've seen the movie and, and have an opinion on it, but, I mean, kind of dismiss it as, well, it's just one big car chase. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Do you think <laughs> it's easy it to shoot a car good. chase? Yeah. <laughs> I got to be honest, as a, someone who's a never... A five-minute car chase in movies is usually duller than anything. I mean, the, the fact that there's a almost two-hour one that is riveting is... Is it should be a compliment, not a negative. Yeah, as someone who's never even made like a short film, the thing those are the kind of things that impress me most. Is when I see a car chase on film, I always think, man, how do they even film these things? It looks unbelievably hard. Do they really just you know get one little two second cut? You know what I mean? Do they go back and drive a car again just to get that one little establishing shot? You know, they must have to be ridiculously efficient. And that's the whole movie. The Revenant is, is very cinematic and very little dialogue, as is this one. But I mean, I'd say even of the two, I mean, it's very. The, the Mad Max Fury Road is very, I mean, that is like cinema cinema. I mean, like that could be a silent film <laughs> for some of the gore and some of the details. I mean, as far as kind of structurally and. Uh, it could be, you know, in a, in a different universe, it could be a Buster Keaton movie. It's just so <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining the title cards right now. It really is. But, um, yeah, I mean, The Revenant is much – is very cinematic, but, I mean, obviously much slower, longer takes. I mean, that kind of thing. And then, while Mad Max is just an engine that just keeps moving and does not stop. Right. But so what's interesting is though we're just talking about Mad Max and The Revenant, um, even though we think Spotlight and The Big Short are both better uh, choices to actually win Best Picture. So it sounds like there's a really good shot here that we're going to have a split between the two. I, I think I think it's almost I, I wouldn't say it's certain because obviously Revenant or Mad Max could win, but I think yeah I think there's going to be a split this year. There hasn't been one in a while. I think it's kind of overdue in a, little, in a way, and I think it's going to happen because I mean if The Revenant or Big I mean if uh, uh, Big Short or uh, Spotlight do win Best Picture. That, I don't that, that see either it. one of those directors winning. Right. I just don't see them over in Naruto or, or Miller. What they did this year, I can't see, even if overwhelmingly Spotlight won. Well, even a first ballot, it got 70% of the votes. I don't see 70% of people saying, and that was the best directed movie of the year. No. And most, it seems like you would, there's that argument like, well, how could the best film of the year not be the best directed? And I think this year is one of those examples where you can really point to it, where you can see, you can see the direction in a good way. I mean, sometimes seeing direction is, is obtrusive, but I mean, you can see the direction in Mad Max and Revenant the way you can't see it in the others. And so that's why I think those two are the only two who really have a shot of winning. Uh, whether Inaritu will become, you know, the third director to win two years in a row, he, you know, and in case anyone forgot, he won last year for Birdman. Um, uh, John Ford and uh, Joseph L. Mankiewicz are the only other two. Good company. We've done that. Um, so, I mean, it's happened before. Is in the Uritu, that guy, is he going to be that generation? It hasn't happened. I mean, I think uh, Mankiewicz was in the 50s. So, I mean, it's been a long, 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 long time. And there's been lots of, you know, Spielbergs and all the other, you know, popular great filmmakers, and no one's ever done it. So, We'll see. I think it's uh, good for the Oscars. I really do. I, I, I think it, it it's kind of boring when these two categories become so intertwined. Um, I, I like the idea of, of greater specialization, you know, sort of leading to things where you have a lot of films like Spotlight that no one part of them looks unbelievable, really, at least in my opinion. Uh, but they add up to something really great. Uh, whereas uh, some films, like you say, that are more overtly directed, I, I just I think it's more interesting this way when you have 
uh, highly stylized films and best director that don't necessarily have to be nominated for best picture or vice versa. And unlike a lot of years, and especially since they sub Scott, I mean, Enrique is the only one who's even been nominated before. All four of the others are first time nominees, including George Miller, who's oh. seventy. <laughs> That's a good. He did I had not actually, noticed. he did. His, uh, people might forget that he directed uh, and wrote Happy Feet, the Dancing Penguin, <laughs> uh, which actually won. Shockingly snubbed that year, if I remember correctly. No, no, he won. He won. He, it won Best Animated for Animated, right, right, right. But in right. all the major categories, no, right. Hey, he's got an Oscar. He's got an right. Oscar. He has. He has. He is an Oscar winner. He has been there in that sense, but not for uh, straight feature and not for Best Picture. So this is really his. And he was nominated. He uh, people might forget that he he didn't direct the first Babe, but he co-wrote it. So, I mean, he got nominated for that screenplay. So he's been he's been nominated a few times over the year, but not for the Mad Max films, which are of course his his legacy and what he's most famous for. Tom and Tom McCarthy, who you know is not going to win Best Director, and uh, I mean he's I I really he's one of my favorite directors in the last from this century i'd say i mean station agent his debut i just loved that movie the visitor was really strong i thought he could even got nominated that year when win was a little not quite as good and then he has the, one of those interesting distinctions of having one of those years where his film might win best picture he's been nominated for best director and he also has one of the worst films of the year in the same calendar year re- released which is uh the cobbler the adam sandler comedy which i don't is I when I checked a couple of days ago it was on it was up to eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's actually better than that. I don't. It's not as well, horrible of course kind of it's better than that. But <laughs> I mean, how could it up not be better than that? Right. But I mean, it's it's it has some tone problems. And um, actually, as much as I detest Adam Sandler, he's not horrible in it. And and I don't want to spoil it, but Dustin Hoffman's and it. it's got it's not horrible. It's just it's going for that kind of Groundhog Day thing which is very, very, very tricky thing to pull off tone-wise, and it doesn't pull it off. It's got a really high concept. It doesn't work. But, I mean, it's it's close, and it's interesting that he you know, that he signed on to that one. But you can uh, see how it could but, have been I mean, good. You can see how it could have been weird and fun. Right, but it's really interesting that he's going to have the cobbler and... Uh, and it's the po- It sounds like the polar opposite and, of Spotlight. Spotlight the way. same year, so it's an interesting year for him, and I hope it kind of puts him on the map, and he gets a little more money for his, and it makes it easier for him to get his movies made because I, I really like him as a filmmaker. Have we ever had a Razzie and Oscar for the same person in the same year? There have been. In fact, I think uh, Sandra Bullock, the year she won for Blindside, also got the Razzie for whatever that thing with uh, where she's clumsy and fallen, the obsessive. I can't remember. The oh, was, oh, the Ryan Reynolds or whatever? Uh, it was, I think it was Bradley yeah. Cooper. Yeah. Whoever it was. Oh, yeah. One of the, where she it was a horrible horrible movie came out the same year as a blindside which you know i don't think blindside has got great a movie but anyway she won the oscar that year as best actress and won the razzie that year as worst actress for i think she, whatever that forgettable she, title she, was i think she showed up at the razzie awards she did show up and yeah. gave him like all dvds of the movie because she said well i know you voted for me but you never watched the movie here yeah. to try watching it <laughs> right so it, and good sport so it, yeah i mean there have been it was certainly more common in the studio days when when even directors would make two or three movies a year. It's unusual for a director these days the way the system is to now, make two at all, make, let alone yeah, a good one and a bad one. Much less uh, two good ones or a, a really good one and a really really bad one. But um, yeah, so he's had an interesting year, and I like him. So uh, whether he wins or not, he's not. Uh, <laughs> I hope <laughs> I hope this you know puts him on a path of uh, even more good movies down the down yeah. the line. 
Tom McCarthy 2015 biography. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And he's just turned 50. I, people might, I don't know if people know him, but he's, you know, he was a character actor for years. He was on the uh, season of the wire. He's been on the meet the parents movies, Syriana and stuff like that. 2012. He's like the, he's, he would get that kind of road. If you remember that disaster movie, 2012 with John Kuzak, he was the new husband that, you know, he, he plays that kind of guy, like the kind of drip. He's got a punchable face. Right, he right. really does. And for those of you who don't know, in The Wire, he was the uh, dishonest reporter in season five. And, and yet, since since uh, 2003 with Stage he's been making these really, I think, really good, interesting, independent movies. So he's he's uh, he's turning into quite a career, and I hope it just uh, continues for him, even though it's going to be either Dredge Miller or Inaritu this year. Punchable face, watchable movies. That's not bad. That's a, that's a good trade. Uh, moving on to the acting uh, categories, which I guess we're going to go through kind of quick because it sounds like we have three overwhelming favorites and one pretty sizable one. Uh, best actor, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, The Revenant. Um, huge, huge favorite. It doesn't look like there's any kind of race here. Um, I, I've heard a little bit of a groundswell, particularly on the forums, for Michael Fassbender. People seem really enamored with his performance, but this is Leo's. It's partially, I suppose, um, you know, well, okay, capital B Brave, right? He's doing some very gross, weird things in this movie, and it's he's there's snot coming out of his nose, and he's his eyes are bloodshot, and he's doing it wordlessly, but also just, you know... There have been so many stories over the last three or four years of, oh, my God, is this the year he's finally going to win it? And he never does. So this is sort of a lifetime achievement thing, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I guess. That's how it's be- that's how it's being couched. I, I mean, I, all these memes popped up about him, you know, wanting an Oscar, all this, you know, all this stuff. I mean, I like to be a catty bitch as much as the next guy, <laughs> maybe unless the next guy is Rex Reed. <laughs> but I just I just didn't get all this, like, I, I didn't get the, the logic of it, like, if Inaritu comes to him with this really cool script, is the is the implication that if he already had three Oscars, he would say, nah, "I don't want to be cold for three months. Right. I don't think I'm going to do it. I already have." An I'm Oscar. not going to be a you know. Of course he's going to do these meat. interesting. I'm not going to eat a heart. Right. right. Of course he's going to do these interesting movies with the. When you look at his career, other than Titanic, which was a hit and made him you know what he is today, if you look back, he never chooses safe, easy projects, even the ones that don't work, like. Uh, the beach and a couple of those you can't fault him for the choice they were interesting he could have obviously taken the paycheck and done some romantic comedy or been spider-man and he doesn't do that he wants to be an interesting not because he gives a sh- i don't think he gives a shit about an oscar any more than you know any actor does i don't think he's begging for an oscar i think he he's the guy in town who, who scorsese calls him and all these people call him and they say you want to be in those great movies what's he supposed to say like no i want to go be spider-man i mean of course he's gonna say yes whether he has eight oscars or zero so i don't i mean that's how it's being sold that's all the internet memes and all that crap but he's he's been really good for his whole career he's excellent in this and uh, this is the one year he's gonna win I don't think it's his best performance by any stretch of the imagination though I... no i wouldn't say it's it's his most extreme performance and in the way that you know Raging Bull is a very physical performance of so the weight leaning, all those. It's kind of going to be one of those legendary performances of how physically what he went through, which I, as I guess would start all the memes and stuff, but it's not. Yeah. He certainly had other great performances. Some we might put over this, but I mean, Newman had to wait. Paul Newman had to wait a lot longer. Al Pacino had to wait a lot longer. Some actors never got theirs. So, I mean, it's not like he's had to wait an inordinate amount of time, but for the size of kind of celebrity he is, I guess it seems like a long time. Yeah. And Best Actress, possibly even more lopsided. Uh, Brie Larson is just running away with this. I think she was great in that. Um, she would have got my vote 
easily no matter what the, no matter what the uh, the trends were but i mean the um sag awards have not been around that long only since the mid 90s as well but there's never been a best actress nominee who's won sag award won one of the golden globes which she won for drama remember they split those between drama and comedy so they get two choices there but there's never been an actress nominated who's won the sag award who's won the golden globe and not won the oscar so it, it's going to happen at some point it could happen this year it's not going to so she is going to win if blanchett had not won one a couple years ago if she hadn't won two already i'd say you know she she kind of would have been the favorite kind of going into word season before people saw room i think when you're looking at on paper and saw what carol was and she was like she was probably the favorite early on before people had really seen room and it started to gain you know, interest and respect, but uh, now it's it's got to be Brie Larson. So we have two. We have a huge favorite in each category. What I usually like to do in years like that is we might as well talk about if they weren't nominated, who would you give second place to? I've generally had a problem with some of Fassbender's uh, movies just because uh, I don't like them. You don't like the actual movies, you're saying? Right. Um, I'm I'm prejudiced. What can I say? It's not a good likeness of Steve Jobs, in my opinion. It's a good performance, but it's not a good likeness. Well, there's nothing about the movie that's—you talk about a weird movie. I mean, it's like somebody uh, writes a uh, obituary of somebody and sets up three points in their life and says, well, we're going to highlight these, and uh, we're not going to make it realistic. We're going to have what happens be real, but nothing that happens really <laughs> happens. <laughs> you right. know, if, if that makes sense. No, I, I get we're, you. We're going to have yeah. the gist of it be real. And, and talk about a movie that could have been a play. I mean, I mean, it's yes, it's, it <laughs> it's almost is. Yeah, three big rooms, and that's and and three little waiting rooms, and that's it. He can go backstage, change his shirt, and, and being, and being a being a Aaron Sorkin screenplay. Of course, there's some walking and talking, but that's about it. Little bit, little bit. Uh, at this point, though, I, I the only thing I really want to say about Steve Jobs is just uh, I think Sorkin is writing these screenplays on a dare. I mean, The Social Network, Moneyball, and Steve Jobs, they sound like things that you'd hear and think, you can't make a movie out of that. What right, are you they're crazy? making a Facebook movie. Oh, yes. God, who's going to write that piece of And crap? then Moneyball? Uh, what are you going to do? I'll raise my hand. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he seems to like to take on these impossible movies and make them watchable. And he does. I'll give him credit. I don't love Steve Jobs as a movie, but it's watchable. It's fun to watch. Um, so I guess Fassbender would be the runner-up for both you guys. I love Fassbender. There's no way Fassbender, unless he gets hit by a truck or something, is not going to win an Oscar, if not Oscars, down the line. He's just so good. He's so magnetic on screen, whether he's the supporting player or the main character or it's a talky piece like this or it's an action piece. He's just always the most interesting thing on screen. And he's really good and he's really handsome and he's really he, – I thought he was great in Macbeth. I mean, I, Macbeth didn't get much uh, – play in the ward season but he was really good in that he was my favorite part of inglorious bastards the very first time i saw it when he said all the way down i just right there i lost i said i love this guy i love this guy there's only his second nominee. he got nominated a couple years ago for uh 12 years a slave those are his only two nominations so far he obviously could have been nominated three or four other times and he will get nominated three or four 12 or 15 you know if he lived to be in the 70s he'll get nominated a lot coming and he will win down the line he's not going to win this year uh i don't know that i I, as magnetic as he is i don't know that i I definitely wouldn't vote for i have problems with uh, redmayne as well Uh, i think it's a very one note performance even before he's you know made his transformation that movie is very uh i mean talk about kind of all the all the things that spotlight did well of avoiding kind of these cliches oh the the low-hanging fruit the the, the cheap emotion danish girl well redmayne at least will win his 
his big award at the Razzies. So that's fair. <laughs> yeah. And he's another one who's, you know, also in that horrible science fiction movie about the dog. Uh, what the hell is that thing called? Uh, Jupiter ascending. Yeah. Yeah. He's but just... he's the most horrible thing in it. Wait, there's yeah, a, there's a yeah. dog in that. Well, that's, it's, it's, that's the movie. No, no, it's not. I don't want to, I don't want to explain it to you. Okay. But... No, you know what? Don't. It's okay. I'm, it's, I'd, it's I'd rather really not, not know. It's explaining. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there haven't been that many great movies that had a dog as a primary plot point or character. They're just, yeah. it's not, there's not a good tradition. Yeah, well, of dogs. It's, it's, it's the sci-fi plot is something about the souls of dogs and blah, blah, blah. Oh and... my God. Well, now I feel, I'm now, I feel much better about my decision never to watch it. Yeah. Don't bother. But I mean, Matt Damon gives has never won an Oscar uh, for acting. He does have one for screenwriting. I, he gives a great movie star turn in The Martian, and a lot of it is you know just playing to himself or talking you know first person to that uh, that diary he's made, video diary he's making. And you know it's the kind of performance that Passed I think away in if space. it was if it right if it was twenty five years ago and a little younger it would be Tom Hanks in that role and he'd been just as good. It's a great movie star turn. There's not you know the deep kind of acting. And we'd be all be talking about how Tom Hanks is getting typecast as astronauts. Then that would be the story. <laughs> all right. And Cranston, you know, I, it's a very mannered performance. I mean, Trumbo was a very mannered. It's kind of like when uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman played Capote. I think he did tone it down, and it's not as good a performance as Capote. I mean, that was really. I mean, talk about someone who's so over the top, uh, the real Truman Capote, uh, and he managed to make a performance without doing an impression, which is really, really hard. And I don't think Cranston quite does that. It's a little too, uh, a little too cartoonish, a little too safe, but, uh, and that movie is not the greatest movie in the world. Yeah. I don't think it's nominated for anything else here. Um, oh, I'm glad you mentioned Philip Seymour Hoffman though, because I just saw him the other day in a most wanted man. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was about Capote. And I thought, my God, this is the same human being. Like that's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, he was, he was special. Yeah. It's a real shame. So on a, on the actor side, uh, Brie Larson, like we said, going to run away with it. Um, yeah, who who'd be a runner up? Well, my personal choice is probably Charlotte Rambling. Mine too. But okay. as far I as love her. Uh, yeah, she was she was quite. I mean, the movie I'm not sure about, but she was unbelievable. Mm. She was just like the, there was one scene where she's looking at old old movies and just looking at her face for five seconds is enough to win an award. Yeah, that's how good I, she is. And she's never been nominated before. She's been acting since the mid-60s. Wow. And she's I would not ever. have guessed that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought she should have gotten nominated. I'm probably still my favorite performance is uh, Under the Sand, Francis Ozone. Uh, it's a French movie. Um, and I don't know how many people know much about Charlotte Rampling, but she's English, but was went to school, was kind of raised in France. So she's always been kind of bilingual, has always done, a, you know, all movies all over Europe, done a few American movies. I mean, people might know her. Younger from uh, Zardoz or The Verdict, uh, Angel Heart. Georgie Girl. Right. I mean, going way back, Georgie Girl, the down, I mean, the Night Porter is kind of the one that kind of made her, cemented her, certainly in art, the art house. Um, but she's great. She's really good in that movie. Uh, she's 70. She and Stallone are both 70. So they're the oldest of the acting nominees this however, year. However, I, don't, I do think we should say, if I could say her name correctly, uh, yeah. Saoirse Ronan? Saoirse, yeah. right? Saoirse? 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 I think yeah. so. Saoirse. Saoirse Ronan. You know what? So it's, don't don't feel bad either she's way. Just, <laughs> she's just, uh, I don't know. She's got, she's so, I don't know right what the right word is. I was going to say fun, perky, whatever. She's just alive. Yeah, she really turned me around because, I mean, the the movie that kind of made her put her on the map and she got an Oscar nomination for I think everybody 
knows her from whether they know it or not is she was oh. the little girl in atonement who was in that i hated her in that way when you're supposed to hate her she's really she's the the plot device in that movie that, that you know turns everything bad just because because she, she's a little bitch um and she was so convincing in that i've really been off of her since even though she's been in a lot of movies since then and has grown up uh, quite a bit i just i've never liked her because i'm still got that stain from that i just hated that but that's a compliment her. isn't it it's and a, now it... and so that was one besides brooklyn being a kind of familiar story one of the other things i was not looking forward to was that she was the star of it so i was like oh it's that girl it's one of these coming to america coming of age stories like i don't give a crap i went and saw it, and she is so damn good in that movie she is so winning and charming and real and just i like i became a fan like 20 minutes in i'm like damn <laughs> she's really good so i think she's finally for me erased the stain of atonement i guess as long as i never watch atonement again as long as i live i'll, I'll still be a fan <laughs> okay so now we get on to the supporting categories um you mentioned sylvester stallone just a minute ago he's a huge favorite uh, i'm a little torn on this one i mean i liked him you know i liked him in creed uh this is definitely a bit of a, a feel-good thing uh sort of again i don't want to say lifetime achievement exactly but um I think it's one of those situations may, maybe where they weren't totally enamored with anyone else, so why not go for the feel-good story? And a sort of feel-good comeback story is what the Rocky movies are anyway, so it feels kind of perfect that the acting uh, nomination would mirror that. I don't know. I know you're not nuts about the Rocky movies, though, Holden. No, but I I, I enjoyed Creed quite a bit. I don't know if I talked about it on the boards very much, but I, I, I Creed was fun. It was a good movie. I mean, it was, you know, like a lot of these kind of, you know, either official or unofficial kind of reboots, it does just kind of invert and play with a lot of the, almost all the beats of the, of the first movie. But there's a lot of them to play uh, with after, you know, yeah, but, after six movies. Uh, it, it works. And, uh, you know, as far as, you know, snubs of directors, I mean, in the Black Lives Matter, which we haven't gotten into, I mean, he was, it was a well-made film. He's a great director. I, he's going to do Black Panther next. Um, and Michael B. Jordan is great. And Stallone was you know, one of his better performances for sure. I mean, he definitely, definitely tones it down. Yep, he tones it for down. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. He goes. He kind of goes back. We saw that after the Rocky movies kind of hit bottom with Rocky Five. He kind of figured out. Okay, I think I know what I've. It's become a caricature. It's become a comic book. And the last two films, Rocky Balboa and Creed, both reflect that, and they're a lot better for it. But I'm I'm glad you you in one fell swoop mentioned both of the only two people I wrote down as possible snubs to discuss: Ryan Coogler, <laughs> director for Creed, and Michael B. Jordan, actor for Creed. Uh, you right. can make a really good case for either of them being nominated. Probably not winning, though. Yeah, probably not winning, but, I mean, probably... I mean, again, I mean, as good as Creed was, it's very straightforward. It had the same problem that the other three nominees do, or the other two nominees would have had, that they're going against, you know, The Revenant and Mad yeah. Max. But, yeah, So well-directed. Those boxing scenes, yes. excellent. Just really well done. Yeah. I mean, there's not... I mean, he's going to do the Black Panther movie, so he's going to get to hold, uh, handle a blockbuster and put his kind of stamp and uh, spin on that. And, you know, after that, he should be able to write his ticket and do between this and assuming... Uh, I mean, Marvel really hasn't screwed up yet. I can't... <laughs> we'll assume that they'll keep Let's going. Let's hope I mean, this if, isn't it. If, yeah, yeah. If they can make Ant-Man work, which Ant-Man was so much fun, if they can make kind of that level tier of character in the Marvel Universe pop in a movie, I mean, you gotta... Until they fail, you just gotta assume they're going to. So, I mean, after Creed and this, coupled with the kind of art house cred and what he showed he could do in Fruitvale Station, he's gonna be able to write his ticket 
whether he wants to make small movies or big movies or anything in between, he's going to be good to go for the next uh, five or six years until you know he has a mega disaster. Yeah, and for those who don't know, Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan collaborated previously on Fruitvale Station, great little yes. movie, very well done. And I and lo- both could, both could have been nominated for that. that yeah, that if you want to be, if they want to be Scorsese and DiCaprio for the next twenty years, I got no problem with that. I think yep. they're both great. I'm good with that. Uh, Mark, uh, what, did you see Creed, Mark? Oh, I've watched all the Rocky several times. I mean, I went to see the original one probably seven times in the theater. I I cried at the end of Rocky Balboa. I thought Creed was very good. I didn't really see it as a like the culmination of Rocky, though. But that's what it is. That's what it is, and that's why Stallone's going to win, among others. Of course, it's it's the choice of the others. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Mark I, Rylance I, I, was very good, yes, kind of so, very good. and funny. But he was kind of very low key, also even lower key than Stallone. I mean, I know you don't want to reward showy performances exclusively, but let's face it, that's what gets your attention. I was watching and I thought he's good, but the role just doesn't ask him to do enough uh, to to win this. Even though the I think the betting markets put him as the runner up because that was going to be my next question: who's your second choice? The betting markets say it's him. For me, though, it's Tom Hardy. Hands I, I think it's going to be Tom. If if Stallone doesn't win, it's going to be Tom Hardy. He's just had between the the career he's been developing over the last few years, plus starring in Mad Max this year, as well as Legend, which didn't get much awards play, but it was the Cray Brothers things he did. The drop. Oh, my God. Like, would it be an overstatement to say he's the most versatile actor working today? I mean, he he's in the conversation, right? But one of those, yeah. he's going to be one of those like, um, yeah, but I mean, Hardy is going to be one of those like fast spinner where for the next 25 years, he's going to c- continue to take all different kinds of roles, all can be incredible whether he's you know the villain in some crappy action movie or he's in a really a role that really takes a lot from him. he's just going to continue to make great movies for the next 20 or 30 years and no doubt if he doesn't win this year he will be back again and again and again and again, yeah, and again. i mean I'm, I'm looking at these movies inception uh the dark knight rises Locke, the drop mad max and now the revenant and i'm thinking even this the dialects in every single one of those movies are completely different Bronson, which is a prison movie, uh, he played a yeah, infamous. Yeah. That's the one that kind of made him kind of in the UK and internationally and kind of indie circuit. It wasn't until he kind of popped in uh, Inception that kind of worldwide he was noticed. But really, I mean, he's really he's a really really good actor. Uh, he's really charismatic without being you know the pretty. He he is handsome, but he's not you know Leonardo DiCaprio pretty boy. But he's gonna be he's gonna be a star if he wants to be a movie star. And be you know have a Leonardo DiCaprio type career where he works with Scorsese's and he's the headliner. He can do that if he wants to work in the Indies and have, or he can. I mean, he can in a couple of years. I think after he's established himself, he can you know be Daniel Day Lewis and just come out of retirement every yeah. three years and have some amazing performance. That he's <laughs> well, he seems to, to want to work a lot more often than that. Um, he does at this stage. I'm saying once he gets a little, I think you know if Daniel Day Lewis. In his thirties, he'd still be working a lot too. But I think he's reached the point where he now he just waits for three years and says, "Yep, that's the one," and blows everyone away, and then retires for three years. Yeah, and if you want to see, if you like Tom Hardy and want to see him just completely carry a movie, see Lock. It's pretty much just him in a car for two hours, and yeah. uh, it's it's it's, hip, it's hypnotizing. It really is. Yeah. But so, yeah, so I think b- 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 for his career, he's developed so quickly so far, and being in Mad Max, if it's not Stallone, it's going to be Hardy. Uh, Rylance is great. It's definitely one of those actors performances that other actors are going to appreciate much more kind of the general audience like you said it doesn't seem to be doing much i believe me every actor who voted for him 
and nominated is just marveling at what he did. And he's in, you know, the PBS uh, series Wolf Hall. Wolf he's Hall, a very, yeah. Heck of a year he's, he's very Cromwell. good. Right. And, uh, you know, Bale, they love, and he's, he's won before he'll, he'll be nominated again for his kind of, his, he's the most eccentric performance in the big short. And Ruffalo, honestly, I thought he was amazing last year in the uh, Fox catcher. He's okay. <laughs> there's that's, that's like, like spotlight itself. There's no one that really stood out as, wow, that that's an amazing performance. They were all well, good. He's got the one big scene. He's one, got the, one big he's, he's the well, one. Hang on. Can we take not, odds on whether or not that's going to be the clip they show? <laughs> Right. Yeah. So it's not surprising that of those other performers, I mean, Keaton's very good, but, you know, very solid and all the others. Um, so it's not surprising that of the male performances, he's the one that they pick. I mean, even Stanley Tucci's great. His little He's just so good. Like Rylance, he, he doesn't do much, but man, is he good in that movie. But it's not the kind of performance that he's like, wow, that was one of the best five performances I saw this year. So he's not going to win this year. Uh, but he's going to keep getting nominated. But it's if it's not Stallone, kind of the sentimental vote book into his career, it'll be Tom Hardy anointing him. Got it, got it. And on the supporting actor side, Rooney Mara, pretty big favorite for Carol. Surprised me. I, th- I looked at this and thought it was a really uh, split field. I'm sorry, Alicia Vikander, I should say, rather. Oh, uh, yeah, at least. Rooney yeah, Mara yeah. would be the likely runner-up, at least, again, according to the odd sites. Rooney Mara, as far as I'm concerned, is, should have been the best actress, but right. I know why they broke him up. Yeah, they play with this every year, don't they? That was they? Strategic, a strategic nomination. And I would think that she should win for, for the award also, but I don't know why, but... Uh, uh, it's Alicia Alicia's year, apparently. I like it. I think she was, I mean, as much as I didn't like. She had Danish a big girl, year. She didn't have she a big year. Good. No. Yeah, and she was in uh, Ex Machina. Ex Machina yeah. And she's in, I don't mean to people, I kind of liked The Man from Uncle. I thought it was kind of fun. Not as fun as the Sherlock Holmes movies, but I think Michael Ritchie, uh, Guy Ritchie had fun with it. Uh, and she's the the girl on that which i think either people didn't see or don't even realize that's her uh she was really you know charming in that she was in burnt that piece of crap that uh bradley cooper thing cooking thing she was in seventh son talk about duds i mean seventh son is almost as bad as that um jupiter sending <laughs> movie she was in that so she's i mean she's certainly had a heck of a year and i think she's I, it seems like she's it's going to be her year and i i think i mean by far she was the best thing in danish girl I thought, um, and I think she was just had a good year, and I like her, and I think uh, it just seems like it's going that way. She's twenty seven. She's a uh, uh, Swedish. <laughs> I think uh, there's a you know, join the tradition of you know going back to Greta Garbo and Ingrid, Ingrid Bergman, Anna Margaret, and you know more recently people like Nomi Rapace. She's just one of those that's going to translate. She's got a bunch of movies coming up that she's. Uh, Big movie. She's with Michael Fassbender in a movie. Uh, you know, she's going to be. I think she's going to win, even if she doesn't. She's going to be back in the next few years. Although I like what Mark said. He's like, I think she's going to win, but I'm not sure why. Like, I, there's no one performance here that seems obvious to me. In fact, the only one I would rule out is Rachel McAdams in Spotlight. Uh, I thought she was fine, but I don't really get why she's here. At the all. same ensemble, really. She was the only woman in the ensemble, basically. Yeah. Well, she does appropriately have the lowest odds of any of the five. Um, right. And Jennifer Jason Leigh, you know, had a fun part where she basically, you know, got to snarl, not say much, and then <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but I mean, you know, and the last kind of reel gets to really kind of go off and you know, kind of reveal more of her character than you've seen before, and has this great speech. And it's great. I mean, this is her first nomination, surprisingly, wow. as great as she's yeah. been for so long. Um, but I don't think she's going to win, especially not for as bloody as that movie is, which is probably why it didn't get uh, 
kind of the usual awards that Tarantino gets. Um, so it's great to see her nominated, but she's not going to win. Yeah. We also have Kate Winslet's annual nomination. <laughs> right. And she won uh, the uh, Golden Globe. And, um, you know, if she, it's the kind of thing, if she had won before, I'd say there'd probably be more push for her. But I, she's good in Steve Jobs. She's not the kind of good that Fassbender is. And frankly, the first time I watched it, I think it's like, 12 scenes in it's, it's maybe the second uh conference and she says you know own your own your daughter's always like my accent i'm like does she have an accent in this yeah i didn't really pick up on one either <laughs> Wait a second is she supposed to have an accent and I'm like, oh, i guess i don't think it's one of her great performances if she hadn't won before maybe just the set that she hadn't won people would talk somebody. themselves into it a little more but okay no, but I, so it's, I think it's going to be alicia vikander I'm actually really excited to talk about this one, uh, original screenplay, because as we talk about every year, this is where you get weird, fun things. There's usually, most years there's one weird one, and being John Malkovich is like the archetype, right? It's like, the, that's that's one of the nominees where it's like, they couldn't possibly give that a whole lot more, but if you're going to acknowledge a really weird film, you acknowledge it in a category like this. Two, I think this year you kind of have like two, uh, with Ex Machina and Straight Outta Compton, kind of things that you wouldn't think of as Oscar fare. But because they're inventive, they find their way into best original screenplay. And I think those spotlight, it looks like, is going to win anyway. Mm -hmm. Josh Singer and Tom McCarthy. I don't know. Am I crazy in thinking it doesn't feel like a particularly great screenplay? But spotlight? Well, is it? Definitely. Well, you... I mean, it's good, right? But I keep coming back to no one part of it blows my mind. Well, I mean, like it winning Best Picture. I mean, it's... it's you're it's... getting as jaded as I am. Uh... <laughs> I am pretty... I, no, you're not kidding. I find myself very jaded by the nominees this year. I wonder if they're worse or if I'm worse. Yeah, I mean, Ex Machina is not, not going to win, but it's cool that it got nominated. Um, I mean, I guess the, the wild card, I mean, to see it win would be really interesting would be inside out it's not going to win but i mean it did get nominated um i think the problem straight out of compton i mean straight out, i don't think straight out of compton's that inventive. it's a, it's a musical biopic it's it does it well it, it does it with a genre that you yeah know, for a new generation so. right certainly introduces them it's to more it. like you wouldn't think that this would garner oscar attention even though it might not be a particular i guess just because of the subject matter but i mean you look at musical biopics if you take the fact that it's about rappers uh out of it Musical biopics do very well at Oscars. Um, it's not surprising at all. Um, the thing I think Inside Out and Straight Outta Compton are going to suffer from is they've got too many credited screenwriters. Uh, they've each got four each. Um, the only film with that many, with a, more than two screenwriters to ever win is uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, which you know was kind of kind of a once in a lifetime situation. Right. Yeah. So I think generally when the more casual Oscar voter, I'm not even talking about fans, but I'm talking about the voter sees that four people are involved in it versus one or two voices. They say, eh, it seems less special and less interesting, unless it's just something that really knocks them out. Uh, so I think it's going to be spotlight. Yeah. If they had a, a crossover between the uh, Oscar voters and uh, uh, rock and roll hall of fame voters, <laughs> uh, NWA did get an, uh, inducted into the rock and roll hall yeah. of fame. Yeah. This year, yeah. so pretty good year, all things considered. Then, yeah, yeah, and uh, worth pointing out that Inside Out, the next film since Up by Pete Doctor, who for my money is the best person working in Pixar, which is really saying something. Mm -hmm. That one was also nominated for Best Picture, so it's pretty clear that you know the Academy likes what Pete Doctor's selling. Uh, they like animated a lot of these animated films, but the, his films in particular among Pixar films are the ones that seem to really break through. Uh, into the awards. All right, and the thing that I also think helps give Spotlight the extra leg up in this category is um, uh, the director is one of, is the co-screenwriter. 
uh, and that helps. Yeah. That helps. You can kind of get the one vision, and you're also obviously not going to vote for him for director. I think we've pretty well established he's not going to win director. Consolation prize, sort of. But this yeah. is that kind of now watch him win. And well, he could. He could. I mean, I like him. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be throwing things at the screen if he won. I really like him. But you know, I think it's their. That's that. You see that a lot with the Oscar voting and when people fill out their ballots, like, well, I voted for this, but I really like this movie, but I'm not going to vote for it in this one or this one or this one. So, ah, screenplay. Yeah, there you go. It's best screenplay. Uh, Whether it's the best written original screenplay of the year or the most inventive, no, but it's going to win. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Coen brothers apparently co-wrote Bridge of Spies. They did a pass on it, yeah. And the and the and the scene that really screams out as them, and I have con- heard confirmed in an interview that it was them, is that that great scene where um, uh, Tom Hanks's character first meets the the guy in the bar who kind of puts a feeling on him before he's taken the before he's officially kind of got involved all the way, and the the, the government guy who kind of tries to you know sneak him into this yes. whole that conversation. It's maybe the best pure scene in the movie and that that was the Coen brothers that's them actually it was supposed to open the movie it's supposed to be the opening scene of the movie and they decided just it's it's that well written but they just yeah they just decided to, to establish it more before Ooh, like but it's that. it's a really well it written scene and that's and that's their stamp on it and they've you know they've they've started doing this the last few years i guess because they're bored or who knows what they've gotten they've done everything they wanted to do i guess Right, so they've kind of become the 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 best kind of screenplay doctors in in the business. And if you've got a high profile project, right, they can come in. Hey, Joel and Ethan, you guys have two months and uh, want to take a little bit of money and take a pass at this. So we'll see. But I think I think it's going to be Spotlight. What a great metaphor, by the way, for the difference between the way Spielberg directs and Cohen directs. That you know the Cohens want to put that up front, and I like that. It's very inventive and it's kind of gutsy. Whereas Spielberg says, no, no, let's let's get to know and like the guy first. Yeah, it would have been very much like the opening scene in uh, Miller's Crossing, where you're just kind of thrown in. You don't know who the hell these people are, but they're just it's just dialogue thick, and there's all this innuendo, and like, what the hell's going on? But that's a great way to, like, whoa, all right, this movie's going. I better pay attention. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, they'll have other of their own screenplays that they've written 100% that'll be nominated and win down the line. But it is interesting that they've kind of taken this kind of sideline up in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, Best Adapted Screenplay... Um... Well, the the big favorite here is the big short. Um, and when you look at the other mm-hmm. ones, you can kind of see why. Again, I know you both like uh, Room, and uh, The Martian was a solid adaptation. I don't know if it entirely kept the spirit of the book, but it did make for a good movie. But The Big Short is just such a hard-seeming book to adapt, uh, and it, like you say, very inventive and takes a lot of interesting chances, so it's probably going to win. It Like like Moneyball, it was one of those, uh, also written by Michael Lewis, one of those that you know looked at, and you say, well, that's unadaptable. You can't make that. You can make that a documentary, but that's not a feature film. No one's going to do that. And as with Moneyball and with this, they found a way. And it, you know, they they made it very. Those you know touches are very Adam McKay. I mean, he's one of the, one of the co-writers. I mean, he was the head writer for Silent Live and is known for these outrageous comedies. It's it's interesting that that someone like him took up this project because he did put his stamp on it which made it what it is because if a more down the line director got it never probably would have gotten out of development hell because it would just been too dry and no way to get all that information out and make it relatable so it's it's interesting it's an accomplishment uh i think that's he'll win and again it's like a consolation prize 
even if it wins Best Picture, he's not going to win Best Director. So it's a big reflection of him, particularly too, because I know he's he's actually a pretty politically involved guy uh, for yes. a director or for a comedian in particular. Um, yes. And on top of that, he brings along someone else who's made the same move with Steve Carell, uh, sort of comedian yes. turned serious actor. It's a fine choice. I think it's a fine choice, mostly because I just look at the other options and none of them really jump out at me. I guess. And they tend to uh, the Academy over over the decades tends to if the original novelist or playwright get involved with either adapting it by themselves or co-adapting it that tends to you know weight it a little more in their minds and uh room emma donna donna who uh you know adapted her own novel and uh uh, brooklyn and nick hornby did you know co-adapt his own novel as well for brooklyn but big short is just so inventive it's it's going to be the one. Yeah, yeah. So after that, we get into the technical awards and some of the smaller ones. Uh, we already mentioned Best Animated Film. Look, if something like Inside Out is nominated for Best Screenplay, it's kind of like when Up was nominated for Best Picture. It makes right. this one a slam dunk. Yeah. And I, I really liked – I mean, I I know I'm a huge Charlie Kaufman fanboy, so it's no surprise. <laughs> like Any other year, that might, it might be Anomalisa. I, I just I, – I love that it was even nominated. It, it's just so – I love that now they're – when that award first started, it seemed like they were not going to really get into these, but they have over the years. You mean the non-CGI mainstream family right, non, film market? Well, CGI, um, animated movies that aren't aimed at children. Right, okay. Are, are getting not that there are that family. many to begin with. No, but I mean, there there are some, and there are people working in that medium, and, and it's it's not my favorite Charlie Kaufman, but it's Charlie Kaufman. It's it's fun. It's interesting. It's a really cool idea. It's not as ambitious as uh, Synecdoche, New York, even though it's ambitious uh, with the nothing puppet. Nothing ever has been it's, or will right. be, but yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a really interesting idea and done well. Uh, so I mean, I really like it. It's not going to win. Nothing's going to win over when and when one of the Pixar movies is that kind of beloved automatically, you know, instantly beloved. There's no way it's not going to win. If this is some year where you know it was Toy Story two or Cars two or something, and that was the Pixar film, right, it, right. Anomalisa probably gets it, uh, despite being a little more unusual. But when it's one of the better Pixar films, forget it. Yeah. Again, because you say sometimes you know some people haven't even seen these. That's something everyone's going to have seen. Right. I mean. I'm... Like everybody else over a certain age, Academy members have kids. They go to see their movies with the kids. They might go to the premiere. They might get the DVD screener in the mail and not have to pay for it. But they all want to see movies with their kids just like everybody else in America. So they all see these kids' movies. And the ones that don't suck and make them cry and suck them in, (laughs) those are the ones that are just runaways in this category because obviously, yeah, they've seen it. They loved it. Their kids love it. Of course it's going to win. Okay, so on to the technical awards. Uh, there are eight technical awards. Um, Mad Max is nominated for, oh, let me see, every single one of them. Um, and it's a big favorite to win six, uh, specifically best editing, best makeup, uh, best production design, best visual effects, best sound mixing, and best sound editing. The only ones it's not favored for are best cinematography, where we're probably going to give it to The Revenant, and costume design, where I think Cinderella is a slight favorite over it. Uh, it's just going to sweep through these, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. It's just it's going to dominate the technical awards. And the only question is how high it's going to go in places like uh, director and picture. And picture, yeah. 
I mean, it's yeah. there's not a really whole lot you could say. It's an unbelievably huge challenge, and it was unbelievably well done. And the thing that annoys me most about modern action films is just not knowing what the heck is going on. And I knew what the heck was going on, even though it was more frenetic and kinetic than basically any other action film I've seen. Right, because they used practical effects as much as they possibly could, much more than anyone's done in years for something of that scale. Yeah, you get a sense of what's going on. You you don't get, even in movies that are well-made, like the Avengers movies, it gets to be a point where it's just cartoons jumping around and stuff blowing up, and there's no sense of scale or space or weight or anything. It's just It's just pretty pictures flashing by at a speed you can barely register. I really hope this is a backlash with the, with the practical effects. We saw a little bit of it with The Dark Knight. I know Christopher Nolan's a big fan of it, and then we see it with Star Wars. I, I hope this is coming back. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's going to take uh, filmmakers who really give a crap to do it and want to take the time to do it. Um, it's so much easier for, I mean, it's hard to argue with a studio head who's going to say, Look, the Transformers movies made eighteen gazillion dollars. We're going to make four more. They're going to make eighteen gazillion more, and there's not one practical effect in the whole damn thing. Why should I give you extra money and time to go film this and build sets and make models and all this crap when I can just I can go hire McGee and he'll do it for me in ten minutes? And I really can't complain about one of the other categories where it might lo- where Badbacks might actually lose though. Best cinematography, The Revenant. I just feel like In Your E2 is just going to be here every year. I know, it's not, I know it's not him specifically, but you know what I mean. His films, because they're yeah, so... Yeah, Lubezki is, I mean, he's, I think he's established himself. I don't think there's any doubt in the last, you know, five, six years. He is the the, the cinematographer of his generation. And, yeah, uh, he's going to keep making great movies. And if he works with people like Inaritu, who let them, you know, not only be great, but be really inventive and have fun and I'll do it. I mean, it's, uh, there's no no limit on how many Oscars he might win. And, you know... Good for him. And they probably <laughs> he deserves them. And, and, and the director-cinematographer combination is one where it's very common for someone to use the same cinematographer literally every film or nearly every film. So they're going to work together for a long time. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, filmmakers like that, you know, tend to, if not for their whole career, at least for, you know, for chunks of 10 years at a time, yeah, collaborate with somebody. So, yeah. short well, man I, involved with just a look or something and they know what they, right. they know what you want. I know, and certainly in uh, in Iritu's case, I mean, he does. I mean, if you've forgotten already how inventive all the, the long takes were for Birdman, and it's just to know that somebody, if you have an idea like that, that not only is he going to do it, but he's going to do it at the highest level possible and bring ideas to it that even you didn't think of and find solutions around it. So I mean, it's just it's a perfect, yeah, it's it's a perfect combination of artists. So yeah, they're going to keep going. He should win easily this year. If he doesn't, it'll be Mad Max, but. And he did great. I mean, he came out of retirement to to uh, to do that just because he was so interested in the project. And he definitely wouldn't have done it if it was all CGI. And he was interested in Miller and coming back and doing that. So, but it's it's his year. He's gonna win it again. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, any other things that we forgot to cover that you guys want to hit on? Any other? You mean our? You mean are we? Uh personally offended at the academy's lack of uh, diversity or <laughs> well you, yeah we can absolutely talk about that if you want yeah yeah i mean i don't see why we gotta at least address it i mean it's been such a big story for the last month and a half I, I i'm not think... personally offended by it but i certainly can understand some people why they're raising an eyebrow at this yeah and yeah. why the why they chose this year to make the biggest yeah i, don't, I mean last year seemed they you know this all kind of started last year but you know they couldn't 
do too much last year because Selma did get a Best Picture nomination and, and you know, did get some nominations and did win for song and a couple of things. So it's not like it got completely shut out. But I mean, the, the thing, I mean, Jada Pinkett Smith, you know, look, Will Smith was not very good in that movie. I'm sorry. I don't care what color he is. I mean, that's he came just, back up was, with another accent. It was a not a good performance. It was very mannered, and he didn't get the accent very well, and it was cartoonish. I'm sorry. And that wasn't a great movie. So he wasn't snubbed this year. He just wasn't that good. That's just the way it goes. So you're but, saying so, somebody else should be doing this protest because in her case, it looks like Sour Grapes for all the wrong reasons. You know, she wasn't, I don't think she was invited to the Oscars. Go ahead and boycott No one cares. Well, I restarted it, I think. Well, I, I have to took his Oscar. He kind of told the Academy, well, thank you, but, you know, you got to get your act together. No, they definitely, they've had a diversity issue kind of in the votership forever. And certainly in Hollywood, the upper echelon of producers and studio heads is just not diverse. It just isn't. And until that changes, you know, probably over the next two generations, it's just, you know, it has to come from the top down in that sense, in the business sense. Certainly they can, and which they did this year, is they've just invited more diversity and just made a more diverse votership so for next year and going forward and hopefully on and on and they got like the baseball hall of fame did this year with a you know it used to be the the sports writers it was like the supreme court you had it till you died well they took it away from the oldest people who hadn't been writing on baseball for 40 years who were 98 years old and they don't get a vote anymore you're you've been expunged from the rules hollywood did a little bit of that they could probably stand to do a little bit more of that and make the but i mean the as diverse, it doesn't really matter how diverse the votership is. Take forever. Right, but until there's more movies to choose from, when there's three black movies to choose from against, you know, 90 white right. movies, the fact that those three don't make it through every year is not and shocking. So when you talk, when you go after the voters, you're really talking about the problem very far downstream from its source. Right. I mean, right. It's, it's definitely needed to be addressed. I'm glad they addressed it. It's a good that they addressed it. It should be more diverse. But part of it's a legacy thing, too. If, if the industry was stacked against minority performers 50 years ago, we're still right. going to be seeing the results of that in the producers and people right. at the top of industry today. So even if things were, quote unquote, fixed, not that anything like this is ever really fixed. No, it's always it's always multiple prongs of a problem. So well, you've got to but, it, but it would be a, it would take generations for that to really manifest itself. Itself right. at the highest levels. And there have been extenuating circumstances with some of the best options. Like they mentioned, uh, for example, Idris Elba in a Netflix movie. Is that stigmatized for being a Netflix movie? And then there's the Selma DVD screener nonsense and all that stuff. So right. it hasn't helped that some of the better opportunities in the last couple of years have had little unrelated controversies attached to them. Right. And so, I mean, the. So who knows? The, the, you just attack it at each prong, making the, the votership more diverse is a great step. Can't hurt, it can only help. Um, whether it manifests as you know nominations this year, next year, next year, who knows? But I mean, over time, that's going to be a good thing. And just getting more, having more movies in general. I mean, every one of these that does well, whether it wins an Oscar or not, that straight out of Compton, not only got good reviews but made money. That makes them say, "All right, what else do you have? <laughs> what other stories can we tell that we haven't been telling for the last forty years or a hundred years or whatever?" And so each one of those is a little peg and gets a little closer and gets more in the in the stream to even be considered. So, I mean, that's it's going to take time. It's not going to be an immediate thing. There should obviously shouldn't be quotas and all that kind of thing. There should just it's it'll get corrected eventually. I mean, you look at the best director. <laughs> I mean, on all this diversity, you've seen so many white faces for the actors, which are the most visible, the, the movie stars, the people, the one, the names people know. I mean, the last year we've had uh, two different Mexicans <laughs> win best director. 
probably a good chance he's going to win again this year. We've had Ang Lee win twice and won once recently, one in an earlier 2000s as well, had uh, Catherine Bigelow win. So there's huge diversity in Best Director right now. Right, right, Kugler right. Kugler didn't get nominated. Okay, there's I don't way it's going. I don't doubt back. he'll get nominated in the future. Yeah. So it all these things kind of work themselves out. It, it is a problem. It is. I mean, there are years where it's like, huh, that's weird. But when you stop and look at it, but as far as it, I think they're addressing it the best way they can, it's nothing's going to change overnight. And this is the least bad option, bad maybe. Yeah. yeah. There are good years and bad years, and there'll be years again where we have two performers, maybe three, who are African American or Hispanic who are going to win the high profile visible awards. It just wasn't the last couple of years. Good stuff. There were a couple of things I realized we didn't mention. Uh, best score, actually. Uh, Morricone looks like the big favorite. And I kind of wonder yes. if this is the same as kind of George Miller and Stallone, where it's like... I think so. But deservedly so. Deservedly so. I don't think his score for Hateful Eight is, you know, any, probably in the top 20 of his greatest scores. But should he get one for Life Achievement? Shit, yeah. He's one of the all-time greats, bar none. So, I mean... It's ridiculous that he never won a competitive Oscar. Of course, he should get one. Whether it's for one of his best scores or not, who cares? I'm good with that. You just need you need it in the obituary, you know, Oscar yeah. winning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I know you mentioned uh, that you particularly loved and best animated short, World of Tomorrow, Don Hertzfeld. Yes. Very distinctive style. You don't go to see his films for the animation exactly, no, uh, but they're just very minim- uh, minimalist style. I love people know him, but if if you don't know him, he might have seen the rounds. He had these weird little shorts they made for the learning channel that that kind of got him on the map and kind of youtube wise where i'm a banana my spoon is too big which were these very surreal very short pieces and now he's starting to to work in longer form well that one was oscar nomination yep and uh, ever since (laughs) then i've been a fan yeah and he's he's great and and this one as i said might be my favorite of all of his world of tomorrow it's on netflix since it's on netflix since for those who have it it's really sweet and funny seems to pop up his visuals a little bit added more color but uh, the deadpan voices are really really great Yes. And I, I don't yeah. want to for people, but that last reveal, that last, or it winds up being second to last time travel jump, it's got time travel in it, by the way, folks. I, I mean, the first time I saw that, I think I laughed for maybe three minutes solid. <laughs> um, I laughed nonstop just, at the uh, at the letter. Yeah, the letters, the robot <laughs> poetry, the robot poetry kills me. Yes, the robot oh, poetry, and God. I love I and and I just love the contrast of the serious talk with the little kid, just not really right. knowing. There's little kid right. voices when someone does them and right. Obviously, right, and obviously the, they got a little kid and probably gave her a script, and she did the best. I'm sure that her words she messed up and phrases she, and it's just really, really good. I hope it wins. I, you can never tell if it's just like too weird to win. But I really hope it wins. If it doesn't win, I hope everyone sees it. It's on Netflix. It's easy to see. It's hysterical. Go back and look at all this stuff, whether it's two minutes long or 40 minutes long. It's hysterical. Oh, and the last thing I need to mention, Joy, uh, the the yes. biannual David O. Russell cast yes. extravaganza, uh, which I, I, I think it's fair that this one's left out. It seemed like, I think we mentioned in past podcasts, like, wow, every time he does a film, there's three or four acting nominations, and he gets nominated for Best Director, and it gets nominated for Best Picture, and it doesn't win most of them, but it's always in the conversation. This one is not, except for Jennifer Lawrence, and I think actually that is exactly right. I think she's yeah. great, but I think it's a not very well-written film. It's very overwrought kind of uneven it feels rushed it feels essentially very 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 stylized everyone except her character are very over the top 
stereotypes, archetypes intentionally. And she's kind of the one kind of, and her daughter are the one kind of normal ones. And it's supposed, you know, it's supposed to make you feel, I, there's other ways to make you feel for the character than have her fighting against these cartoons. It, I mean, they tried to make it a fairy tale and all that. I mean, that's the kind of style he was going for. It didn't quite work. Um, she's good. She's always good. Uh, whether she should have been one of the best, you know, five performances, who knows, but the Academy loves her. She'll be nominated, you know, 10 more times if she lives to be Meryl Streep's age. Um, so I yeah, think they nailed but, this one. I think they got it exactly right. Yeah, yeah. No, this one, I mean, he got four acting nominations for both Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle. And yeah, yeah, this one was just her. All right. Uh, can Anything else, guys? Last chance. Okay. okay. I'll say one more thing. I, I am kind of surprised that Star Wars didn't get more nominations because of all the, not just, I mean, it was fun and everyone kind of loved it. Um, just kind of the same way that, you know, Stallone, kind of the Rocky book ends, um, same year, actually, that Star Wars got its Best Picture nomination, um, the, the first one, the original one. And, I mean, once again, the expanding nominees <laughs> for Best Picture was supposed to you know, let movies like these mega blockbusters that also happen to be good movies get in. And once again, it did not happen. And this... Yeah, I thought the timing, because they didn't do screeners, so kind of everyone in Hollywood, that's why I thought I was going to make it, because everyone, even in Hollywood, had to go to the either one of the premieres or go see it with their kids in the theater, because they didn't do screeners, because they didn't want, it was, they didn't want the movie out that early, so I thought, well, all these people who maybe saw 95% of the movies with screeners in their home, and they probably have really nice home theaters, but still saw it at home versus seeing with an audience and everyone cheering and all the excitement. I thought that was going to push it over, and no, it didn't happen. Maybe they didn't go see it. With $900 million domestically, they would have been the only ones who didn't, I guess. Yeah, one, one more snub, I would say. I mean, Harrison Ford's only got one Oscar nomination in his career for Witness. Um, I could see him... I, I could have seen him making the cut. It would have been really fun to have him make the cut for Best Supporting Actor for Han Solo, especially since, I mean, Harrison Ford, I mean, I think everyone's a fan of Harrison Ford. You can't help but be, but for the last, you know, bunches of years, you could see him just phoning it in and picking weird projects, not caring. And even Return of the Jedi, you can see he kind of checked out. Uh, I mean, he wanted Lucas to kill the character off. He didn't kill the character off. He was under contract. He did his job, but he doesn't look like he's having fun. He had so much fun. It was his best movie star turn in 30 years. He was so charismatic and looked like he was having fun again. As with every year, there are only so many slots and so many fun, good, interesting movies out there. And a handful get highlighted, and that's the Oscars for you. And it's never going to satisfy everybody because there's too many interesting things out there. The Oscars, perpetually unsatisfying. There you go. And yet, here we are, talking about it for two hours. Yeah, well, two hours, <laughs> that's not bad. I'll take it. Uh, thank you, uh, Holden and Mark, for your time very much. Yep. You're welcome. All right, see you guys. Wow them in the end. You got hit. You can have flaws, problems, but wow them in the end. And you've got a hit.